I mean, one construction project is difficult. I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. I mean, you imagine the fights that I've had, the people that we've argued, and I don't mind fighting. You know, as you can probably tell from my personality, I sometimes I like it. Uh, I don't think I was very emotional. Uh, you know, I, I've been able to remove the emotion and just, but I was always passionate about construction. Yeah, you, I mean, to endure what you went through with that, the head, head, head guy behind three handprint doors. Yeah. I mean, you could have walked away for that day saying, dying, I'm, this is not worth it. Yeah. I'll finish this job and I'm done, baby, I'm coming home. You got, you got to, it's got to be the intersection of like, again, what you love and what you're good at, but you got to be willing to fight for it. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to like it enough to say, I'm going to fight for it, even if you just enjoy the game. You know, you gotta you gotta get up and do something. To like, hey, I'm gonna go fight for this. Yeah, and so hey. your endurance, yeah. that passion, which I call passion, is that key that unlocks success. Because if you had been a quitter, yeah, you wouldn't be sitting here. Also, I say your life is the sum of every day. In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to the Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Welcome back to yet another episode of The Root of All Success. And today we're coming here from The Standard. I'm actually drinking a little Guidance uh, Old Fashioned here, which is Guidance Whiskey is the house brand here in... in uh, at the standard and they make us an amazing, wonderful old fashioned. The guest is also have one. You'll meet him in just a minute, but thanks for joining me. I'm glad that you're here. Um, you know, I, it, it's always amazes me when I run into people about the fact that they listen to the show and I'm always amazed at how they love the stories from the guests. And my goal with this podcast, the root of all success is to get you to a place as an entrepreneur where you understand that there's these five keys of success that you can use to unlock success in your life. So that's why we do this. So no matter where you're listening, whether it's on a podcast player uh, or watching this on YouTube, thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe. Make sure you hit the hit the bell icon on YouTube so that you know when we drop new episodes. We try to drop a new episode every Monday and Thursday. And so just listen in, tune in, and thank you for leaving five-star reviews. It really helps us get in front of more people. We are one of the fastest-growing uh, podcasts in this segment. And that's thanks to you because you're listening in your car or you're walking your dog or you're out running, running laps in the neighborhood, whatever it is that you're doing. Thank you for taking the time to listen. It means a lot. I'm the real Jason Duncan and I'm pleasure. Uh, it's a pleasure of mine to host this show and I've got an amazing guest for you today. This is going to be fun. It's going to be intriguing. I'm probably going to laugh a lot today. This guy's really funny <laughs> and we're going to have a, we're going to have a good time. I'll introduce him in just a minute, but first I want to talk about where I'm recording this. So I'm really proud to say that we record this at the Standard in Nashville. And the Standard is a, uh, it's a private club. Um, it's in a house that's 18,000 square feet of Southern sophistication style, owned and operated by the one and only Joshua Sterling Smith. He started this club back about 11 years ago. 
And uh, I'm privileged to be a member, and I'm privileged that he allows me to record this show. We're actually in the Rhino Room upstairs on the third floor. It's a great place. If you ever come to Nashville, make sure, even if you're not a member, you can book and have dinner in the restaurant downstairs. And if you want to actually come see what the member experience looks like, just send me a DM, Instagram, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever. I'm at the real Jason Duncan. And then you come into Nashville, just say, hey, I'm a fan of the show. would love to meet you. And we'll see what we can do. Get you in here and hang out. Maybe we'll drink uh, drink one of these little uh, old fashions like we're having, like Dr. Gary Vermas and I are having today, who is my guest. But again, right before we get to him, let me talk about our episode sponsor for today. As an entrepreneur, you've probably had the experience of your website going down from time to time, not working the way that you want it to, and your web developer, your web designer is nowhere to be found. You don't know what you're going to do to get the website back up, or maybe there's a broken link or something, and your web designer is MIA, you can't find them, they've went out of business, you don't know what to do. Well, what if I told you there is a way to eliminate that problem with a small, flat monthly fee? That's right. You don't have to go hire a brand new web development company and pay them thousands of dollars to merge or to migrate your website onto their platform. But what if they just took over your website for just a small flat fee every month and maintained it, hosted it, protected it, made sure all the links worked, make sure the spelling was right. And if you hired a new employee, they'd pop in a new headshot for you. Small little things that make you look like a million dollar company. That's what this company does. It's, they're called One Nine, O-N-E-N-I-N-E. And if you want to work with these guys like I do to manage your websites for a small monthly fee, just go to managemywebsites.com slash root, as in root of all success. So go to managemywebsites.com slash root, and they've got a special offer that'll take $600 a year off of your subscription. They manage my websites, they should manage your websites. So go to manage, managemywebsites.com slash root. All right, enough of that. Let's get in with, uh, with Dr. Gary Vermas today. I'm I, uh, I'm always amazed at how I meet my guests because sometimes I meet them through Instagram or LinkedIn. We don't really know each other and they reach out, hey, I want to be on your show. Or I reach out and say, hey, I want you to be on the show. Or I'm introduced to some amazing, interesting, successful person like Dr. Gary Moss through a mutual friend, right? And that's what happened today. So the guy that introduced us is a, is a mutual friend. Like we don't, Gary and I don't know each other until today. But he said, hey, I know a guy. He, he, my friend listens to the show. He says, I know a guy you should have on your show. And so he introduced me to Dr. Gary Vermas, who lives here local to Nashville, uh, lives in Franklin, just south of town. And uh, we, we met, did, did a little Zoom call just to introduce each other a month or so ago, and now he's here today. And I want to tell you a little bit about Dr. Gary Vermas. So this guy's story is very interesting, and what we're going to talk about today is going to go into a lot of details and a lot of areas. But I think one of the things that you're going to find interesting is that he and his wife have 12 kids, 10 of those are adopted, two are biological, and that obviously is a big thing that people ask him about in his life. But the reason he's able to pour, and pour his life into and invest in helping change other kids' lives like he's done with his children is because of his entrepreneurial success. And that's what the, this whole show is about. Like, what are you going to do with this? And so his wife, his, his wife's name is Dr. Jody Vermas, and she wrote a, a book called Get Money, do good. And it's really the story of their life about how they, you know, made it made it success made a successful foray into the entrepreneurial world and built these big companies like Base 4 and uh, the Stonepile Construction College which we're going to talk about and how they were able to get that money to do good. And that's what I think is so cool about his story. But Base 4 is one of the companies he owns and the 4 in Base 4 represents the four values of the company which are honesty, humility, respect, 
and fun, which I love that that's one of them in there. And we're going to ask him about how he did that, how he came up with those four things when we get into that part of the story. But he has a PhD and a master's in engineering mechanics from Columbia University. He has a master's and a bachelor's degree in structural engineering from Lehigh University. And he's licensed as a professional engineer in 48 states in the U.S. And he's authored numerous publications, provided expert testimony in his field, and he currently leads the company Base 4 and Stonepile Construction College as the Chief Executive Officer. And I want you to help welcome to the show, Dr. Gary Vermas. Gary. Jason, so awesome to be here. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, the drink is delicious. Uh, so, and we're going to get you another and one. I, yeah, and I'm getting another one. I, it's, it's been, yeah, it's a long time listening to you do all the intros. So I had to drink. So, so let's, let's, let's start with the thing that I know that everybody asks you about. And you got, you got 12 kids. I, and I think as far as people that I know personally, that's the most of any people I know personally. They're obviously not all biological. As I said in the, in the beginning, you got two biological yeah. and 10 adopted kids. So what's, uh, what's that story? I mean, that's a pretty big story. So what is that? Yeah, it's a huge story. And here's the first thing is well, my wife and I are not good parents. <laughs> uh, we're just not. Uh, we, 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 but we show up, right? That's it. Uh, and so people are always like, man, you must be great parents. Like, no, we kind of suck, but we're there, you know, like we're, at least we're there. So I think it came down, you know, years ago, uh, my wife and I, we had been in and out of every 5013C, every do-gooder, nonprofit, and we were trying to find our place in the world, trying to do good. We, we knew God had blessed us. We got to go out and, and help other people. And every time we got involved in an organization, because we're relatively sharp, we rose to the top, we peeked behind the curtain, and we were just, just miser it was miserable how it was run, right? We were offended. So we said, you know what, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna actually help people? And I thought, you know, my wife said, what if we adopt kids? We had two kids. I was like, I don't want any more kids. I mean, we're not good parents of them. Like, why would we <laughs> continue to do this? But then I thought, you know what? If I had my investment in my house, I could watch it. You know, and, I, and, I, and that's really where it came from. I love the word that you use, invest. Yeah. I love that because I believe you know what, this is kind of one of my things as an investor, I want to invest in people first. Yeah. Because I believe, and I think you probably would agree, yeah. that when Jesus talks about store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, yeah. well, the store up is invest. All right, so what does that mean? How do, I, how do I send my Bitcoin up to heaven? Peter, hang on to this for me. Yeah. No, it's people. People are the only thing that yeah, transfer right. from this world to the next. And how do we invest in the next? It's through people. And you did it in an amazing way, in a long-term commitment way with 10 well, I get, extra I get kids. so upset with the church because all they kept saying, you know, whatever church I went to, and I, again, I'm a Christian, but it was like, just send us your money, send us your money, send us your money. And I think they were doing a disservice. Jesus never told us to, to do that. He basically said, go out and do good and help people, make disciples, right? And I said, you know, when I send my check, that means someone else is doing the work. And, and, and it's like, I got to do the work, right? So that's why I, I gave up with the, with the nonprofit world, because it was so mismanaged. And I said, you know what, let's go out. And so my wife is two PhDs in mental health counseling. I mean, she's a genius, super smart. Um, and she's really good with people. I, I'm not so good with people. <laughs> I'm more the, the big guy, right? Uh, and so we said, you know what? Let's go out there and let's adopt kids that nobody else is ready to adopt. So we adopted older children, children that came from really difficult situations. Uh, we adopted a family group of six. I mean, you know, when they thought they would never get adopted from the Philippines, they were, you know, from ages 12 down to... Uh, like six when we adopted them, they didn't think anyone would do that. And you know, the, when we went there, they're like, we didn't think anyone was crazy enough to adopt these kids. Uh, but we could do it, you know, between my wife's skill set and the fact that I was, you know, we were making money together, my wife and I were like, let's do it. Well, kids are expensive. 
So we brought the six home from the Philippines and, and we had to bring them to the dentist. Uh, they had 51 cavities between the six of them and we had to hire our own anesthesiologist and we had to rent the place out for the day. The bill was about $25,000. Nobody tells you that in the adoption the freaking commercials, right? I mean, because there's no dental. I mean, so they just, and, and they're like, we could do it one at a time. I'm like, I'm going to come back 25 times. What are you nuts? And they said, or you can knock them all out. I was like, yeah, let's do that. Knock them out. And they're like, you got to get your own doctor. I was like, well, let's get them. You know, so I actually thought I was going to take a hit, but I didn't. Uh, and so we knocked them all out in 20, wow. 50 cavities. So, so you have six kids from the Philippines. Yep. Where, where are your other children So we have from? three from China and one from India. Uh, and they all have amazing stories that I, you know, spend time with. And it's in the book, which is great. My wife did a great job. Yeah, talk about the book. So, you know, like I was telling you before, you know, we would we go out for lunch or take the kids out and it's it's all 12 of them and my wife and I, and it looks like some weird Asian birthday party. <laughs> uh, you know, it's my wife and I, we're lily white and we got all these brown and yellow kids and people literally will walk up to us in every restaurant and say, you know, what, what's happening here? Uh, there would be numerous times that I've gone to pay the bill and the bill's been paid. You know, people are just like, thank God it's you, not me. Well, you know, give some money. Uh, and, and so, so many times people wanted to hear the story that my wife decided. I mean, she has an undergraduate degree from Columbia University in English. She's a great writer. Uh, and she said, you know what, I'm going to write this down. And so she wrote the book. Uh, it's an Amazon bestseller, uh, and uh, it's it's been incredible. And it's called Get Money, Do Good. Get Money, Do Good. How'd you come up with that name? It's just our kind of slogan for our marriage. Uh, go get money. You know, we are unapologetic capitalists. I mean, I, I don't. I believe you got to go out there and, and get money, but then you got to do something with it. You know, I mean, you don't have to. I mean, of course, but then you'll be miserable. You're just a selfish weirdo, right? So I think the whole idea is go out there, get money, if that's a, the skill you have, and, and, and try to help people. Uh, you know, we were just talking um, here, here at The Standard. I lead the, the Leadership Society. So once a month we get together, a bunch of us, and we talk about different topics. Making money is one of them. Yeah. And today we actually talked about how making money actually works. And there's three ways to make money. There's active hours income. There's other people making money for you. And then there's money making money. And, and besides all that, I, t I started out with the question like, how do you make money and is your view selfish or is it selfless? And at first everybody's like, well, what does that mean to have a selfish view of making money? And the selfish view of making money is saying, hey, I just want enough for me. Well, yeah, so you, if you and your wife, Jody, had had that, hey, we, listen, we got two kids, let's just make enough money for the two of us. Like that's... Yeah, I dream about that's that every selfish. day. <laughs> You know, like, what if it was just us? I mean, I'd be on the beat. Like, I don't know what I'd be doing. Probably not. I'd still be working. But, but yeah. How do, no. how do your biological kids perceive this? Because I know that as parents, because I have, I have a 19 and a 20-year-old, 21-year-old, yeah. but, like, I know that they don't always see our vision for what we're trying to do for the family. How did your biological kids? Well, every time we adopted a child, we voted as a family. Uh, and the vote was always unanimous. Uh, and, and my kids, they, they love people. And I think it's, it's obviously these two kids grew up with all of these, you know, randos in their house, right? They come in uh, and they're their most loving people. My oldest son is high functioning autistic. He's Asperger's um, and he's a genius. And, and, and uh, but he's got the softest heart and my daughter, same thing. And I think it's changed their life for the positive. You know, and, and it's hard. I mean, there, there were some crazy stories you know bringing kids in like the crazy stuff like you know I, there's a whole nother podcast of the things just the stealing that went on 
you know, that you're like people would come into my house and they put their cell phone down and I'd be like, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean? I was like, that'll be gone. And th that'll be gone. And then they'll like, at the end of the day, they'll be like, oh, did anyone see my cell phone? I'm like, you idiot. I told you not to put it down. They're like, your kids really steal? I said, oh, all the time. And they're good. You know? And then it'd be like, so like everything got stolen, which is not a thing you're used to in your house. You know what I mean? You're like, and then if you're ever asked the question, where's my iPad? Gone. Like just, and it's like a prison. It's all like bartered and stuff. So <laughs> you're not shiving anybody. Or no, we're close. I mean, we're not, like I told you, we're not good parents. <laughs> so, but, but I, I mentioned this earlier. I said, you know, kids are expensive and you gave the dental example, but so, so I want to put this in perspective for the listeners to understand, get money, do good. All right, so the good that you're doing, you've adopted these kids who desperately needed a home and yep. you've taken care of them in your home here in Nashville, Tennessee area. But you can't do that if you're working a nine to five. That doesn't, that you can't do the good that way without getting the money. So how, how did you and your wife get the money? So, I mean, we start, I mean, I, I'm an engineer by trade and uh, my, I, I come from New Jersey. My, uh, my great grandfather was a Mason. My father was a Mason. Uh, my grandfather was a Mason. They always had a construction company. I was supposed to take over the construction company. I went to college. My dad, you know, basically said, you don't want to do this. So I became an engineer, but entrepreneurism, I, if that's a word, was in my blood. You know, my dad told me from day one, you want to make money, you have to hire people. You, you will never make money unless you have people working for you. And he goes, and for every person that works successfully for you, you make more money. And I, that just rung in my head. Uh, and so I was actually in 2003, I, I started my own company down in Florida. And I was the first guy in the architecture and engineering field to do outsourcing. I was in New York getting my PhD. I was in the, doing the ministry there. And I had become part of the Chinatown ministry. And I was studying the Bible with Chinese guys uh, and men and women that were you know, all Chinese. And so when I went to start my own business, I was down in Florida and I needed some engineers and I couldn't find any. It was 2006, booming, booming. You couldn't hire someone if you wanted to. Uh, so I called up my buddy from Chinatown. I said, I need five engineers in China. Can you get them to me? He said, yep, definitely. So I hired five guys I never saw. And so they were working. They didn't speak a lick of English. I would take digital pictures, send it to them. This is going back to 2003. So we didn't have Skype, none of that. We had Yahoo chat. And we had digital cameras that just came out. And I was like, these digital cameras are going to change my life. And I would send it to them and they would do all the CAD work, the drawings, they would send it back. So I probably am the, the, the first guy in this industry. I, I basically, I watched what was happening in the IT industry. And I said, I'm going to do the same thing. Uh, by 2006, I had 80 workers in Shanghai. I had an office of 80 people and I had 20 in India because it was working so well. Uh, and all I was doing was training uh, you know, basically Chinese and Indian guys to do American engineering. And all the work was in the U.S. And so I would go out and get a job and I would just ask him, you know, you know, they'd be like, okay, how much is the price? I said, what's the best price you got? This, I said, all right, I'll do it for 10% less. And they said, what's the best timetable? Well, they said three months, I'll do it in one. All right. And they'd be like, what? And I'm like, yep. And that's how I sold. Wow. And then to build the company, I wanted to grow. So I figured all I need, I, I went to, to do marketing I hired five ministers, five guys that were in the ministry, didn't know anything about engineering, right? And they were good with people. And I hired all five of them. They came in and I would teach them on, on the mornings about what basically how to sell. And I said, all you need to do is go out to the clients and have coffee. Sit down, have coffee, and just ask them about their lives. So you're good at that. And I said, at the end of the conversation, don't ever mention our company. At the end of the conversation, just say, hey, if you ever need engineering, let me know. And that's all they did. 
And man, the work was rolling in. These guys love these ministers. And everyone's like, who in the world hires ministers? Business to go? development. Yeah, for business development. But they were fantastic. And I said, just be their friend. They're like, we don't know what we're selling. I said, you don't need to know. Just be their friend. And I said, because every guy in this world is lonely. And I said, if you're their friend, then they'll trust you. So what was the name of that company? That company, that first company was called Ground Floor Engineering. Okay. And that was started in 2003. And I sold that in 2009. Oh, wow. Uh, I sold it to a 4,000-person firm out of, uh, out of Canada. Uh, that's after the, the bubble hit 2008. So it wasn't a, wasn't a like, yay, sell millions of dollars. It was kind of a, I had to get out of a, it wasn't a bad situation, but I had to get out of so it. So was that, was that your first foray into entrepreneurship? That was, yeah. So what was the next? So you sold it in 09. So what I sold next? it. I had, a, I had to work for this, uh, this big company. And they, my friend uh, from the Middle East, from Qatar, called me up and he said, you need to get here. There's all kinds of work going on here. So I uh, uh, basically told the company, I had a, a year handcuffs with the company I told to. And I said, you know, how about you let me go open an office in Qatar? They're like, great, go have at it. So I flew over there, it was my wife and three kids at the time when we moved to the Middle East. And I landed the uh, private engineering office of the Emir as a client. So the Emir is the king of Qatar. And I ended, I did a palace job for him there. Uh, and then, you know, basically that went really well. And then his people said to me, hey, we've, you know, it's a long story, but we got another huge palace in Morocco. The king of uh, Morocco had given 400 acres to the king of Qatar, and he had to build, or no, it wasn't 400, it was 68 or 70 acres, and he wanted to build a palace. And he said, we want your team to design it. And I said, well, I don't want to work with the people that are, I'm working for. And they said, we don't care who you work with. And so I got the band back together, started the next company called Base 4, and one of our first jobs was the palace. What? So you built a palace in Qatar? Yeah, uh, it was actually in Morocco. In Morocco. Yeah, in, in, a, in a place called Eifer. And it's still the, the king, it's just one of his palaces. The present, when I built it, it was for the crown prince. He's now the king of Qatar. Or wow. the emir, you would say. Okay, so you so you started Base 4 really doing international work. Not That's even, right. Did you live, you lived there when you No, did? I just traveled there a lot. Just you know, traveled flew there. Flew back and forth. Crazy stories. I mean, just, I mean, I, I mean, I, I I thought I was going to be killed numerous times. I mean, I, I, there's so many stories I could tell you. I thought I was going to be thrown out of a window. I've argued with, like, you know, arms dealers to pay me. You know, it was, it's... Wow. It, give, me, give me one cool story that you remember top of the head. So uh, they stopped paying me at one point, and I stopped the work. I had 25 guys on site, engineers, and I just pulled them all off the job. And the people running the jobs were just, you know, these were a Syrian construction company that were probably involved with Syria and Qatar. Not, you know, just strong men, I could say. <laughs> as soon as I pulled everyone off, I get a call, you need to get here right now. So I had to fly all the way over there. And I walked up into the office and before I went in, I remember telling my wife and my business partner, here's where I am, here's my location. And I, it wasn't a joke. It was, this is where I am, I'm going now. If you don't hear from me in four hours, call somebody, right, the embassy. And so I walked into this building, I go up 28 floors, they talk, they walk me behind three locked doors, you know, with the handprint, and I get back into the, in the head guy's office, and he's the, the head head guy. And he's sitting at a desk, and he's got chairs lined up like that, that was a standard Middle Eastern outlook. He's back there, he's got, I think, eight guys, one bigger than the next, all there. And there's a seat open for me. And I'm, I remember looking at the windows to see if they opened. Because I thought I was going to be hung out the window. Right? And I remember looking. I was like, oh, they're sealed windows. Okay, good. 
And I remember looking at the jackets to see if they had guns or anything. You know, like, well, how is this going to end? And he sits down, and quiet, and he said, you stopped my job. And he's working for the king, you know? And, and, and I said, you stopped paying me. I'm at just that direct. And I don't know where I got the courage from. <laughs> and he looks over at the skinny little account, and he says, is that true? And they said, yeah. He said, and the guy stood up. Come here. So then I had to walk out of the chairs all the way around behind the desk, and I looked him eye in the eye, and he said, you stopped my job. And I said, you stopped paying me. And he said, and he said, if uh, you'll finish the job, I said, you'll pay me? And he stuck out his hand. He said, you have my word. And I stuck out my hand. I said, you have my word. And that was all we said to each other. And they paid me every dime on that job. Wow. And I walked out and I thought, what the heck's wrong with me? I'm going to die one day. <laughs> well, it's better than the way I've dealt with some of my American companies that I've done jobs for that I had to pull off. I wish they had as much honor as the dude in Qatar did. Uh, yeah, he crazy. was an honorable guy, and you know, uh, I, he's he's now a billionaire uh, and and a very powerful man uh, over there. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was a but that was just w one of many stories. So now you 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 got money to do good. So you got you you built the company, you sold the company, started Base Four, got the old band together. You're building palaces for kings in other countries. Well, now we moved that company into doing hotels. So okay. we've designed more Marriott, Hilton, IHG hotels in America than probably any other firm. And that's with Base 4. Yeah, yeah. We did about 80 hotels a year for the last seven, six, seven years. You know, so if you, you've most likely stayed in one of our hotels, and we, that went pretty well. Now we're doing multifamily, and then we moved into IC, which is industrialized construction, which is modern methods of construction. We got a team of about 200 to 250 architects and engineers. We have an office in India, uh, the Republic of Georgia, Dominican Republic, and then people throughout the U.S. and states. Wow. And so we have a 24-hour clock, and I raised up an executive team that basically runs the company, and then I moved over to do my passion project, which is Stonepile Construction College. All right, so talk about Stonepile. Now, I want to go back to Base 4 later because I want to talk about those four, four values, but to talk about Stonepile, what are you doing with that? So when it comes to construction, the education, you either go to become a tradesman, where you learn how to be an electrician or an HVAC guy, or you go to college and you become a construction manager. Which, but there's a huge scope on any construction job, and I think you probably know that, that you do, don't learn in college. And it never made sense to me that you couldn't get an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree in construction. You did this, you know, only construction management, that's it. And they don't, it's more of a management degree. And so I decided, uh, and that's a longer story, but I decided that uh, I'm going to start this college. So I started the college, I got my investors together, I got my friends together, I mean, I, every favor I could. And then we did, uh, we applied and uh, we are authorized by the state of Tennessee. That was no easy task. Working with any government <laughs> agency is always fun. Uh, so we did that. We now have 150 students. We're being accredited by the Department of Education through another organization called DEEK. So within one year, we'll have federal accreditation, meaning we could take GI money, grant money. Uh, I've met with the second largest prison in, in the country, and, and they want to take the program into the prison because construction is the one industry that you can hire felons. Uh, it's a great. So our whole guy, we offer an associate's degree in construction, a bachelor's degree in construction leadership, and then a master's degree in prefab, offsite, and modular construction. Uh, and, and my board of advisors is from Tesla, Train, Mitsubishi, uh, the ABC chairman of ABC, Associated Building Contractors, and Mortensen Construction. So I, I got some great people behind me, and it's a gr it's an incredible idea. Um, and I'm just I need about another year to really get it going. Is it online? Is it's it 100% online. 
and the tuition is dirt cheap. And so this is a real, and I, right now I'm looking at getting some grants from the government, you know, but it's a real solution. You know, whether you're in the projects, you're in the trailers, or whoever you are, it's a real solution. It's not for non-traditional learners. Uh, so it's the, we don't have tests. We have a six touch point. It's all video. It's all online. It's ace, uh, uh, symmetrical or um, asynchronous. So you can do it whenever you need to do it. It's an incredible program. These guys are really learning. And the truth is, I mean, I have GCs, general contractors, calling me every week. Hey, you got anybody? You got anybody? 100% of my students right now are, are employed while they're students. I don't have enough students. I have more jobs than I have students. Well, how would people find out about Stonepile? Stonepile.us. Stonepile, just like it sounds, S-T-O-N-E-P-I-L-E yep. dot U-S. Yeah. And that, that name comes from the story of the, when the Israelites crossed into the Promised Land. They crossed the, the, the Jordan River, right? And God stopped the water, and he told each one of the tribes to pick up a stone and put it at the end, right, when they cross it. And he said the reason for that pile, that stone pile, is when your kids ask what happened, when they say, what's that pile there? They, you can say, look what God did here. And so... Uh, the name of our house where we live is called Stonepile Manor because we have 12 kids, 12 stones, and the name of the college is Stonepile. I love that, Gary. That is so cool, yeah. man. And how long ago did you get Stonepile started? We started in 2019. Okay, so it's just a few years old. Yeah, yeah. And you're getting that going. You're trying to get grants, and you're getting accredited. So that's yep. going to make a big difference. Yeah, I've got a team of 10 incredible people just, just cranking every day. So one of the things I think I picked up in your conversation about about base four to Stonepile is that you at base four brought a team in to take care of day-to-day -day operations. So you've exited daily operations so that you could work on another passion project. That's right. All right. So that's a kind of, that's in my center of my wheelhouse because yeah. that's what I teach people to do every day, exit without exiting. So how did you, like, how did that concept even become, a, how did you become aware of the concept that, hey, I don't have to sell base four but I could get a team in, I could exit daily operations and go follow another passion. When did that concept begin to bubble up in your mind? I think it was always in my mind. My passion is teaching people to be leaders. I, I teach men really well, not as good <laughs> with women, uh, but my wife is incredible and she led a leadership development class. And I made all of the leaders at Base 4 go through this leadership development class that she wrote the curriculum for, which is just EI, emotional intelligence, awareness. She would do a personality test and really help people to understand how to lead, how to work with people. And man, our leaders just rose up and rose up to the point where I was just in the way. You know, so I was like, so I'm like the figurehead. I tell everybody I'm just the arm candy. I look good, you know. <laughs> so that's it. So you were like, okay, there, I can get somebody else to do this so that I can go do a bigger passion project. That's right. And, and you know, one that I think will make more money. I think StonePie will be more successful than Base 4. It's just a longer lead time. You do an engineering company, you can get a sale, you know, within a week or two. You build a, it's not easy. I mean, who do you know that's building a college? I'm trying and it's tough. It's hard. It is a lot of work, right? So you got, it's a longer lead time. But when you get to that stage, you have more resources, you have more money, you can start something bigger. And so I knew I, I needed five years to get this thing off the ground. So you're not even quite halfway into that yeah. right now. Okay. Yeah. And, in, and man, we've hit all our markers. So Base 4 is the company you started by building the palace in, in Morocco. So what Base 4 has four uh, values of humility, honesty, humility, respect, and fun. So who came up with that? I think I, my wife and I did, or me. I mean, and the partners, I can't remember... If you ask any of the partners, it, it, they will all say them, right? Uh, you know, but I think humility has always been my number one driver uh, because in the industry, in the construction industry, there's just not a lot of humility. 
you know, to say, you know, because everyone's scared legally nowadays, it's all CYA and no one says the truth. And I think just, you know, if you make a mistake, raise your hand, I screwed up, my bad. You know, and, and I think we can move a lot faster. So we teach a lot about humility. Uh, in the Asian cultures, because that's where all our offices were, humility was a unknown. Like that, that's, you know, because it's all about faith, right? Trying to look good to other people. And it's like, no, you, you want to look your worst here so that we can be the best. That's a, that's a radical concept. Uh, for Americans it is yeah. now, but it's a radical concept over there. So we started with humility and, and honesty, you know? Say, say what you think, and then respect. Like we can, like, if you get good people on the bus, I didn't care where the bus drove. I don't care if we do design teddy bears, I say it all the time, or, you know, or whatever we do, but let's go make money. Just get the right people on the bus and let's drive the bus. And if we're all being humble, respectful, and honest, we'll get there and let's have fun along the way. If it's not fun, it sucks. I'm not interested, you know? <laughs> oh, I love, I love it. So what, so you're a very successful person. So how would you define the word success? It's funny. He was like, I say this all the time. Success to me is the intersection of three things. It's the intersection of what you're good at, what you like, and what the market needs. And if you can figure out that, I tell my kids all the time, you have to have those three things. I mean, but you really have to be good at something. You watch American Idol, people are like, oh, I'm a great singer. It's like, no, you suck. Everyone knows it, just nobody told you the truth, right? So it's like, you gotta be good at something. What are you good at? What do you love? And then there has to be a market need. Uh, and you got to go find the intersection. Those three things to me is success. So with that as a definition, do you consider yourself to be successful? I do. Uh, I, I think I'm wildly successful. Uh, I mean, you know, it drives my wife crazy, but I, I feel like I'm in bonus round. Like I have achieved everything I've wanted to achieve in life. Like I wake up and I'm like done. I'm like, I've never imagined I would have this successful of a life. I mean, I wanted to start a small engineering company. I wanted to be married with two kids and not screw that up. Thank God I haven't screwed it up yet, right? And so I look at my life and I'm like, oh man, I won. I, I you know, and so today's a bonus round. Let's play bonus round. You know, that's kind of how I feel. That is fantastic. Yeah. Well, I believe that, and I, I said this in the, kind of the intro, and and the listeners know that there's this theory I have about success, and it kind it it was born out of you know, me just casually interviewing successful people like you just over a glass of bourbon or a cigar somewhere at a dinner or whatever, just talking like, hey, how did you do it? What did you do? What, what do you think the keys were? And what I found, Gary, over time was that these same five things appeared all the time. And, and be, me being kind of slow, it took me a while to pick up on it. <laughs> but then I thought, wait a minute, these five things happen. And so I thought, okay, I want to do this podcast, a podcast, not this one, but a podcast but I don't know what to talk about. I don't want to be just another dolt yeah. that gets on there and gets in front yeah. of a microphone, releases a podcast nobody cares about. What could be better than talking about what were the keys to success? And what I want to do with you, just like I do with a lot of guests, most of the guests actually, is I want to run these five things past you and you tell me, did these keys appear in your story? And if they did, that's great. If they didn't, that's fine too. But the first of those five keys is, is passion. Like in order to be successful, the first key that unlocks that door to get down the corridor to success is passion. And most people, um, maybe even you, when I first say it, think about emotional passion. Like I really love it. I mean, I'm emotionally connected to it. But I know that I was successful in an industry in the LED lighting world that I was never passionate about from an emotional standpoint. But I know that the word passion has its root in the word, or, or it means to endure, willing to endure. That's what passion means. Just like in the passion of the Christ. 
It wasn't that he was, we call it that because not because he was excited emotionally to go yeah. to the cross, but he was willing to endure because there was a greater cause. Do you believe that passion was one of the keys to get you to be such a wild, wild success as you defined it? Yeah, I mean, I, I was passionate about construction. My great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father, I grew up 12 years old, pouring concrete, tying rebar, laying block. I loved everything about construction. I loved the men on the job. I loved the fact that they drank beer during lunch. I loved the fact that they used the F word a million times, right? I loved everything about it. I loved, we, we built something together. Everyone had a nickname, no one had a real name. It was just the most exciting place in the world was the job site. And that's what I loved. And I wanted to do that and I wanted to build things. So I think that's where my, and I knew it, was, it wasn't easy and I knew that you had to endure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, construction projects are difficult. I mean, one construction project is difficult. I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. I mean, you imagine the fights that I've had, the people that we've argued, and I don't mind fighting. You know, as you can probably tell from my personality, I sometimes I like it. Uh, I don't think I was very emotional. Uh, you know, I, I've been able to remove the emotion and just, but I was always passionate about construction. Yeah, you, I mean, to endure what you went through with that the head, head, head guy behind three handprint doors. Yeah. I mean, you could have walked away from that day saying, dying, this is not worth it. Yeah. I'll finish this job and I'm done, baby, I'm coming home. You got, you got to, it's got to be the intersection, of like, again, what you love and what you're good at, but you got to be willing to fight for it. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to like it enough to say, I'm going to fight for it, even if you just enjoy the game. You know, you got you to gotta get up and do something to like, hey, I'm going to go fight for this. Yeah, and so hey. your endurance, yeah. that passion, which I call passion, is that key that unlocks success. Because if you had been a quitter, yeah, you wouldn't be sitting here. Also, I say your life is the sum of every day. And so, like building this college, I mean, you know, yesterday wasn't the most exciting. They were writing 800 classes. I mean, it's kind of boring. You know, you're like, but you got to see. You got to see the, you know, the future. Like, hey, we're going to put this together. And, and we're moving the ball every day, just down, one inch down the field, that's it. Well, the second key that I found into success, not only is passion, but it's being at the right place at the right time. Yeah. I think I can look back to my life and the lives of the other people I've interviewed on the show and also off the show, just casual interviews. And I think about, and I want to ask them, hey, was there this one place, one time that intersected together that said, that you could look back and now and say, had I not been there, I wouldn't be here. Do you have a place like that in time? I think I more have people. Yeah. Uh, like my partners, uh, you know, for example, one of my partners was Adam Ginsberg. I just, I interviewed at a job and, and, and he and I, I didn't end up working for him, but he, I, you know, a couple years later, I called him in to be part of the team. I hired a guy named Blair in 2005. He became a partner and I met a guy named VJ in New Delhi, India. And so it was just, Right place, right time, getting to know those guys because there's a four of us with my wife, the five of us that really built the business and were successful. Well, and I think that kind of, well, actually, it's passion, pe uh, place, and people are the first three. So you already talked about that. You, you used that guy's name as one of them. Are there other people that you can point to? I think you said your grandfather was in the business, your dad was in the business. I mean, they had to have an influence to get you to where you are successfully. Yeah, my dad My dad just turned 81 last night, and uh, and I said last night, I mean, my dad was my best man at my wedding. He's been my best friend for all my years because he's always been that guy in my corner. Right or wrong, he was always in my corner, and he was a, he was a leader. Uh, but then that my four partners, my wife, I mean, it was a team. I mean, and they're not, there's not one of them that's easy. I mean, including me. I mean, it was five very difficult personalities that had to be managed. 
And so it, there wasn't a kumbaya. We all held on. We fought and argued. But these were the five smart or the four smartest people I had ever met. Wow. And so and one from India, you know, one from and we all came from uh, different backgrounds, different just religions, all different religions. I mean, it was a mess. Uh, but they were so smart and they were committed and they were willing to listen to me. Uh, which is to their credit. I mean, they must have thought sometimes this guy's off his rocker. Well, I, I know that your preparation, which is the fourth P or the fourth key, came because you're, you come from generations of masons, of, of construction workers, of people doing this, and you turned all of that grit and hard work through the preparation of laying the, you know, pouring the, pouring the concrete, twisting yeah. the rebar, laying the block. You turned that, your preparation of all those years into a wildly successful multi-million dollar international engineering company, right? Yeah. I mean, is, yeah, yeah. is that the way you see it? What other, what other things prepared you for the success that you've experienced? Well, I mean, I was highly educated. Uh, and, and I don't think you have to be to be an entrepreneur, That's, but it helped me. I mean, I had an undergraduate from Lehigh University, a, P, a master's degree, another master's degree, and then a PhD from Columbia University. So that education really helped me. But I think the thing that helped me a lot in my PhD degree was I realized wow, I'm not the smartest guy in the room anymore. Like I, when you go to Columbia and you're with PhD students, I was the by far the dumbest person there. <laughs> uh, and I had no business being there. But all my life up until that moment, I thought I was the smartest guy in the world. Like there's no one smarter than me. And then I went there, I was like, oh crap, I can't even touch these guys. Um, but I think the education helped. Um, you know, hard work for just hard work's sake is a waste of time. In other words, if you're just going to do hard work so that you can, you know, bitch about doing hard work, that's a waste of time. Yeah. Uh, because that's just all about your ego. It all boils down to humility. It, it, in the, the leadership model in, in, in our company and our college is servant leadership. And the whole idea is if you serve people and you really want that guy to do better or that woman to do better than you, they will and they're going to, you're going to prop them up and man, that machine is going to hum. And I think servant leadership, something my, my wife helped me really understand you know, my religion, you know, following Jesus helped me understand. I think that's the key, serving people, you know, and, and loyalty. And then, so that, that, that's where I think a lot of success, because people around me, all, they always trusted me. Uh, and because they knew, I, I actually cared. I wanted, I wanted their life to be successful. And I also knew, but I was also realistic to know, if they're successful, I got a piece of that. Yeah. You know, I was invested in that. That's right. So, so I was okay with, like, letting everyone raise up, because I was counting the dollars on the side, you know? And that's okay. Make money do good. Yeah, and so the thing is there's a negative stigma to that. So you're only helping him to make money? Yeah, if that makes you feel good to say that, sure. But no, I'm helping him because he's my friend and, and I have interest in him. But yes, I also, would you help him if you weren't making money? No, because he doesn't need help. I'll help people that need help, you know, that are poor. I started a school in Haiti on the mountain. We were helping 120 kids. But this guy didn't need my help. I only help, but if I get to help him and make money, that's a win-win for everybody. So speaking of money, the fifth key to success I refer to as plan, because I try to make it all P's right yeah, now. Yeah. But plan is what's your, what's your plan to obtain and deploy resources to get started. So going back to your first business, the one that you sold in 09, how did you fund that company and the projects that had, you had to do first? How, what was your plan to make that happen? Uh, I'm a vision guy and, and I'm a talker and I'm a vision and I believe and I'm passionate and I'm, and, and I can plan, but I'm not a detail guy. And so what I think I did was brought in partners that were detailed. My partners, they were very helpful. 
because they're like, holy crap. But we never funded it. We, we never took a, a dollar of investment. We went and got a job. We did the job and we used the money and we invested it in the next, you know, we just went up. So to this day, Base 4 has never had a loan. Wow. So we built, you know, $10 million a year in revenue. I mean, it's gone up and down between 8 and 12 and never took a dollar of investment. Bootstrapped. Bootstrapped. Um, you know, and the same thing with Stonepile. No, no investing. It's just, you know, time and sweat and money, a little bit of money. But we watched every dollar. Now, one of the partners I brought in, he's the CFO, cheapest son of a gun you ever met. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, you know, you want a CFO like that, but, right? But, you know, and he won't, like, he'll question me, like, if I spend money. Like, hey, what are you doing? Like, why, where's that charge? It's like $200. So, yeah, 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 where's it, where's it, where, where do you want to market to? Are you sure? I'm like, holy, because the, the staff complains about him. Like, yeah. I was like, dude, he yells at me, too. And it's like, I started the company with these guys and I still can't spend money. Uh, but he's done an amazing job of yeah. just managing the, managing the money. So, so when you got this job to build this palace in Morocco, you're telling me that you just went in and said, okay, it'll be X number of dollars to, to build it. And as soon as you pay me, we'll get started. I mean, how did that work? Well, we, we, we had a 400 page contract uh, <laughs> that was with the king of Qatar that basically said, if there's a law he doesn't like, he, doesn't like, he can change the law. The contract was written in Qatari law. So there was, it didn't mean anything. The contract means you're my slave and you'll work. So we just signed it. We showed it to a lawyer that said, you can't sign this. I said, yeah, we're going to sign it. And my partner's like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, because he could change the law. Like, you don't understand. Like, it doesn't matter. We're never going to go to court. Like, we would lose every time. Do you guys understand? So it's just on our word. We got to go do the job and they'll pay us. And so that's kind of what they we didn't. Until they didn't, and then we stopped, and you know we played all the games, but you had to be willing to fight. Wow. So, all right. So, passion, being in the right place, right time, knowing the right people, preparation, plan, have obviously played a part in your Definitely. in your success. All of that. So, what's next for you, man? I'm like, you've got you got 12 kids, you've adopted 10, you've built two successful companies, and are building the third. Sounds like with Stonepile. Like, what's the next big thing for Gary? So base four is running. Stonepile is obviously the next big thing, and 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 and, I, and that's a day to day grind. You know, it's not not you know it's not the woo. I wake up, I'm excited. Building a college is a lot of hard work, uh, which it should be. Um, uh, my wife and I were going to take the book, get money, do good, and make a movie, and we got connected with uh, a screenplay writer named Howie Klossner out of Fr Franklin. He's a very famous Hollywood screenplay writer. Anyway, Howie and I hit it off for the last couple uh, months, and we started a company called I-40, and we're going to produce movies. And so now I'm an executive producer in movies. Our first movie is called Omaha. It's about when Coastal Carolina uh, College won the uh, Omaha in 2016, won the, the, the World Series for the college baseball. And so, uh, so I'm into movies now, uh, so we're going to do that. Um, and, yeah, and then and I, actually, uh, I actually kid around with my friends and, that are pretty well connected. I said, I want to run for governor in 2026. Uh, and they're like, you're kidding me. And I was like, yeah, come on. Because they're like, what's your platform? And, and my platform is freedom. I just believe in freedom. So the four values of Stonepile are humility, honesty, respect, and freedom. Uh, I, when we started Base 4, I wanted freedom. And my partners, didn't, they wanted the fun. And I think they were right and they were for, that, for that company. But when we started Stonepile, my wife and I founded it and then brought kind of the partners in. I said, freedom. I'm getting my freedom now. And so it's humility, honesty, respect, and freedom. 
Because I believe that people need to be free. And that's all I believe. And I think we live in a society where people are just running to be controlled wherever they can. And, 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 and that's why we're losing the, the awesomeness. If you're an entrepreneur and you have money, you're free. That's what's, what's so great about money. That, you know, people think, oh, the, the money's the root of all evil. No, the love of money is the root of all evil. Freedom you know, comes with, with money. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think most people start businesses for one of a couple of reasons or both. It's, I want to be my own boss, which is freedom of time. That's right. And I want to have, have more money, which that's is right. freedom of control. Like that's you can right. do what you want when you want. That's right. But the, the irony is that a lot of employee or a lot of entrepreneurs end up being their own employees. Yeah. And they don't have, they might have a little extra money, but they certainly don't have any extra time. Yeah. And so I love that, that one of the stone pile uh, values is freedom because I believe in that and and if in fact you do run for governor on the platform of freedom I, I think that at least right now in today's age I think there's a lot of people that would go please yes <laughs> yes. yes No, I mean we're all tired of being controlled and you know there's been a lot of people that have been wronged in the history of our country but for them to then try to control other people is not the answer more control isn't the answer to being have been abused and I see that with my kids the answer to abuse is freedom. And that's what, what our country's missing completely. And they don't understand that freedom. And, and that's to me, uh, you know, I, if I had a message, that would be it. So as a, as a wildly successful entrepreneur yourself, we've got a lot of people that listen to this show who are entrepreneurs. Some are also wildly successful like you. Some are in the middle of the pack. Some are just getting started. Some haven't started yet. But I want to ask you, and I ask this of almost all the guests at the end of the show is, if you could speak to one of the people that are listening, that that you know he's sitting there or she's sitting there in her car, they haven't yet taken that leap in entrepreneurship. They they're not ready to give up the nine to five and the security and the the perceived lack of risk and that to go into the entrepreneur world. What would your advice be to that person? My advice to anyone in that situation is find the market need. If you 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 gotta find the niche that that the the market needs. I mean, you're you're not you're not uh, Apple. You're not going to create a product that then you tell the market they need, right? Like the iPhone. You're not going to do that. You got to find the need. So most people start businesses by going out and selling. Go out and talk. Just ask questions. That's how you start. Go out and ask, ask, ask. Just gather a lot of data and find out what the need is and get niched. Riches in the niches mm. and get niched. And then if it's the intersection of a market need and then what you love and what you're good at, you'll be successful. Um, that's what I would say. So how would people get in touch with you? Uh, they can connect to me on LinkedIn, Gary uh, Vermas. They can email me. Uh, you know, they can go to stonepile.us and connect with me there. They can fill out a form on, on that. I, I get all those forms. Uh, they can email me at uh, garyv at base-4.com. All right, so Gary Vermas is V-E-R-M-A-A-S. That's so right. two A's, one S. That's right. So not, not Vermas, but no, Vermas. No. <laughs> Moss is a river that runs through southern uh, Holland, right, through, through, through Rotterdam. So ver means from, from the river. I'm Dutch. Oh, nice. Thank Dutch you. by way of New Jersey. That's right. Well, Tennessee. You know, the, the Dutch came to New York first, then the English pushed us into New Jersey. <laughs> and now you're in Franklin, Tennessee. Now I'm in Franklin, yeah. So. Well, man, this has been so amazing to talk to you. What else, anything else on your mind that you want to share? I mean, a lot of listeners are loving what you're doing right now, love your energy. So any other final tidbits or stories that you want to tell? I mean, I, I would just say, uh, you know, get money, do good is, 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 the, is it. I mean, and it's freedom. It's all about being free. Um, I think a lot of great, 
I think only awesome things happen when you're free or in the pursuit of freedom. Don't lay down. You know what I mean? With, with ever. I mean, everybody tries to control you, right? The government, the church, your family, everybody for some weird reason is trying to control. And nowadays it's accepted. And I think now more than ever, we have to just fight to be free in our soul so that we can do great things and help people. I love that. Well, thank you for being here, man. It's such an honor to meet you. And I do want to take you up on the, the whole Thursday night hangout. I know you talk yes. about doing that, so I would definitely want yeah, to do that. Anybody that's listening, if you're in Franklin, every third Thursday, we have a men's night where we have 20 or 30 or 40 men come over and just hang out at my back backyard and we have a couple beers and hang out. I love it. Well, Gary, it's an honor. Thank you so much Thanks, for being Jason. here today. Well, listeners, as you can see, as we talk, every entrepreneur that comes on the show, these five things show up every time and you can use these to your advantage. What are you passionate about? What are you willing to endure for? What, how are you putting yourself in the right place at the right time to meet the right people so that you can be successful? What are you prepared to be successful in? You know, he spent, Gary talked about spending years as a kid, pouring concrete, twisting rebar, laying block, learning these things. And he was prepared to succeed in that. And what's your plan? Like, how are you going to fund the thing that you want to do? Like, ideas are worthless without the ability to execute. And sometimes that ability to execute just needs dollars behind it so that you can make it happen. So make sure that every time you listen to this show, you're paying attention to the reality that these five keys are the keys to success. They are the key to success for you, just like they were for Gary, just like they are for me you can tap into them as well. Now, one of the things that he talked about is kind of in the center of my wheelhouse, and I mentioned this earlier, he exited the daily operational control of base four. He pulled off exit without exiting without knowing that that's kind of my thing. But he, So he exited base four to go start Stonepile Construction College, which is all about getting other people to the place of a result in their life that they want to be. So if he could design a business that was wildly successful, $10, $12 million a year in revenue, and exit daily operations to go do another passion project that's going to make the world a better place, you can do the same thing. I teach people how to do that every single day. That's what I do. I teach people how to exit without exiting. And if you're interested in looking into joining one of my next cohorts, I do a 12-week cohort with 12 entrepreneurs and I show you the four steps that I took to exit my successful business so that I could pursue passion projects like doing this podcast, like buying other businesses, like doing things just like what Gary's doing. Go to exitwithoutexiting.com. Sign up for the next cohort. Let's get together and let's get you to the place where you can make a difference in this, in this world to make the impact just like Gary has made with not only Base 4, but Stonepile Construction as well. So thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing, leaving good reviews. I'll see you again next week when we talk with yet another amazingly successful entrepreneur who tells us about his or her keys to success. I'm the real Jason Duncan, and remember, Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.